Well, during this, this season of Advent, um, if you've been with us here at Grace and Peace or maybe in the church um, where you worship, one of the things we talk a lot about is that this is a, a time of waiting. And we really acknowledge that, that for Christians, I mean, this is all of our life is really an Advent. It's, a, it's the time between when Jesus has come into the world and we're waiting and we're longing and we're eager for his return. And so we've talked some about Israel, and we've talked about how they waited for the coming Messiah, and they longed for him, and often it looked like he would never come. And we've talked a lot about us as, as those who belong to Jesus and who are Christians and are part of his, his church, and how um, there's often times where we think, um, is this world ever going to be put back together again? Um, it feels like it's so dark, and we're waiting. And one of the things that we haven't talked a lot about um, is the fact that you know, here with us tonight are a lot of kids, and those kids have been waiting too, right? Um, right after Thanksgiving, it seems that immediately I remember those days that there began this long march towards Christmas Day, and your arrival tonight at this service means that you're almost there, and the waiting is almost over. You just have to listen to me uh, just for a few minutes, and I'm sorry. We long and we wait for that morning, and it's good to acknowledge even that waiting because there is a beauty um, about Christmas morning, right? There's a, there's a wonder and there's a magic and, and rushing into the living room and, and seeing presents under the tree and getting presents whether you were naughty or nice, right? And there's a reminder in that that Jesus is one who gives good gifts to his children, and we are his children. And you know, one of the things as I was thinking about that this week is I, as I look back in my own life and I think back in Christmases when I was a child, there's not a whole lot of gifts that, that I actually remember getting. And some of you who are adults, you might think the same way. You look back and you're like, I know that I thought about these things a lot and I asked for them and I begged for them even, and I don't even remember what they were. But some of the gifts that, that are etched into my mind that I remember most clearly are any kind of gifts that had a glow-in-the-dark feature, right? Or some kind of lights. I remember getting little cars that actually had lights that turned on. But if there was a, if there was a gift that had a glow-in-the-dark feature, some aspect of it glowed in the dark, I remember vividly the feeling of holding that toy up to the light and waiting, and waiting, and then running into the darkest room in the house, which would have been the bathroom, because there were no windows in there, and turning off the light, and watching the glow of that toy. Some of you all may remember, uh, maybe you did that even this week with one of your kids, and you stepped into the darkest, blackest room in your house, and you watched that tender glow of that small toy. Isaiah, as we heard say, say to us tonight, the prophet says the people, the people who walked in darkness for so long, that they have seen a, a great light, that those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And what is that light? The light is this, that the rod of the oppressor is going to finally be crushed and broken, that the boots of the warrior and the garments that are soaked in blood from endless battles are going to be burned. And those, those, those boots and those bloody garments are going to light up the world. 
Why? Well, he tells us, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. One is going to be born of a woman, is going to be born under the law, but unlike any other who had ever been born of a woman and born under the law, this one who is coming is going to perfectly do what? He is going to perfectly love. He will at every moment, at every second, he will love his father with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his strength and all of his mind, and he will perfectly love his neighbor as himself. And to this time, there has been none other who could do that. He alone will be what the first Adam could not be and what any of us could ever be. And the hope of all mankind, Isaiah tells us, is going to rest upon his shoulders and his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his reign and his rule, which has already started, there will never, ever be an end. It will never cease. And you think about those people that heard that for the first time and they had been waiting and they'd been longing and they'd been walking in darkness and they see the vision of this light that Isaiah tells them about and yet there was more waiting and there was more darkness. There was hundreds of years of it. And so if you fast forward a few hundred years, we find in Luke this collection, this group of shepherds who are out in a field. And they're doing the same thing that they do every night. In the middle of the bleak, dark, black night, they're watching and guarding and protecting their sheep. And that child that had been spoken of is yet to be born. They're still waiting. And they're no longer in exile, but they are still under oppression, not just from the Roman Empire, but also from the own, their own religious leaders who have taken the law and placed them as burdens upon their backs and upon their shoulders. They had been waiting in the dark. That these shepherds are a picture of what all God's people were, that they were waiting in the black, dark night. They were waiting for this child to be born. And can you Can you fathom, we've heard these words so many times, but think about what this would have been like for those shepherds, that all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears to them, and it says the glory of the Lord shone about them. The glory of the Lord was with this angel, and it burst into the night. I mean, it had, to, it had to burn their eyes. It had to make them cower because they probably were blinded so much by that light that they could barely see. And I wonder, was there heat that came with that light? I don't know. And I wonder what that angel, you know, would have looked like. On the front of your bulletin, there's, there's a depiction as there's been many, 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 many depictions of what these angels might have looked like. And this one looks pretty gentle and tender. But what I love about this painting is the way these shepherds are reacting because they feel something. They're falling down. They're cowering. And I imagine that the angel probably looked something more akin to like an an alien. Something they had never seen before. I mean, if we see some of the other descriptions of angels in the Bible, um, they are bizarre creatures. And we know that this would have been a frightening image because the first word out of this angel's mouth to these shepherds is fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? Why? 
stand up. If you think about how this conversation might have gone between an angel and these shepherds out in the field just doing the same thing they do every night, stand up, don't be afraid. Why? We're here to tell you the gospel, the good news of great joy, that the child is actually here. The child has actually come and the wait is over. The one that the prophets had talked about, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who will make all oppression cease. He's come to bring peace and he's here. He's here now. And I imagine the shepherds might have said, really? Where is he? And the angel might have responded, well, he's in Bethlehem, in a feeding trough. That's where you'll find him. And I imagine they they had to be thinking like, that's kind of bizarre and odd. This whole night is actually a little bit odd. And he's in Bethlehem, okay, and he's in a feeding trough. And come to think of it, it's sort of weird that you're announcing this to us, a couple of shepherds out in a field. Are you just like making the rounds to everybody? And you just happened to stop with us, and the angel might have said, well, no, I'm just talking to you guys. And you should probably hurry and go find him, because as soon as Herod catches wind of this, he's going to try to kill this child, and they're going to have to flee the country. And when they they come back, he's going to live in relative obscurity for about 30 years. And when he finally does start his ministry, well... People are going to think he's maybe some sort of joke or maybe some sort of heretic because mainly what he's going to do is hang out with the least important people and he's going to continually call out the most important people. He'll be infamous, but he won't be popular. In fact, you know, I don't really know how to tell you guys this, but after about three years of ministry of healing the sick and feeding the hungry and proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, and the kingdom of God, well, he's going to be executed. All right, got to go. What a bizarre night, right? We don't know what else they may have talked about in that night and what's recorded there, but what we do know is that even though the light had come into the darkness, it was going to, it sometimes feels like it's just a tiny, tiny pinhole of light. And I imagine that even for those shepherds who had seen this great vision, that they, what what did the rest of their life look like? The rest of their life may have looked like more waiting, more longing. It seems like this is how so many things unfold for God's people. There's a huge important promises and then there's a lot of waiting and trusting that the light to come into the dark is coming into the darkest of nights. And maybe that's what some of us need to hear even tonight. Maybe that's what some of us need to hear in the midst of this season because it might feel very dark to you. And you might think, am I the only one who seems to be thinking, is he really coming? Did he really come? Does it actually change anything? A few years ago, I was listening to a a podcast um, called The Moth that some of you may have listened to. It's been around for years and years. And The Moth is just a series of stories that are true, that are told by in front of a live audience without notes. And so people would show up at these little things called The Moth, and and they would get up and they would tell their story, um, a story that actually happened to them, and they would do it without notes. And some of them are great, you know, some of them are not so great. But there's one that I heard that, that I will never forget. 
And this is what happened. This woman said that this, her story started with her on the floor, curled up in the fetal position. And she said that she had this crumpled piece of paper in her hand that she was, if you can picture her curled up on the floor, and she's folding and unfolding this little piece of paper. And, and she's going through the most severe withdrawal symptoms that she's ever experienced in her life. And her husband is out on the streets, and he's looking for drugs, and what she knows is that if he finds them, he's probably not going to share them with her. And next door, in the room next door to her, is their son who's asleep. And she said it was the darkest night of her life, that she was so tired of her life and the way that she had been living, and she just didn't see any way out of it. And on that little slip of paper was a number. And it was a number that her mother had written down and given to her because her mother knew the state that she was in. And the number was a number for a Christian counselor. And she said, finally, in the midst of this night that just seemed to never end, around two in the morning, she picked up the phone and she punched in these numbers that were on this little slip of paper. And she heard a man answer on the other end. And she was surprised that somebody had answered. And she could hear him kind of sitting up um, in bed and shuffling to to turn on the light. And he said to her in a very present voice, hey, what's going on? Can I help you? And she said she didn't know why, but she began to talk, and she began to talk, and she began to talk, and she hadn't really told anybody the truth about her life, including herself. And she said that she, she just continued to pour everything out to this stranger on the other end of the phone until until she noticed that there's light starting to come through the windows, that the sun is actually begin, beginning to rise, and that, that this man had stayed on the phone with her all night. When she realized this and she felt a little bit embarrassed, she started to thank him profusely, and she asked him how long he had been a counselor, and he said to her, well, um, listen, you're gonna, you might get mad when I tell you this, and, and I don't want you to hang up, but that number that you called, it... It's actually the wrong number. And she said that the next day, though, what she experienced was something that she could only describe as a peace that passes all understanding. And she said it was from that moment in her life that things began to change because this man had told her the beauty of forgiveness and of truth. This stranger who was, quote unquote, the wrong number turned out to be the exact number that she needed. And these are the words that she said that stuck with me. She said, this is what I know that in the deepest, blackest night of despair and anxiety, it only takes a pinhole of light and all of grace can come streaming in. In the deepest night of despair and anxiety, it only takes a pinhole of light and all of grace can come in. Friends, the light has come. The light has come into the darkness and it may just feel like even tonight it might to you because of whatever situation that you're in. It may feel like a tiny little pinhole at times, but that's all it takes for the grace to come in. And when that light shines in our hearts, we begin um, as those who experience his forgiveness and his love, his unmerited favor, we begin to glow with that light in this world. And we glow in the ways that we do our work, in the ways that we respond to our neighbor, in the ways that we don't, uh, that we offer forgiveness instead of wallowing in bitterness. And before you know it, the dark corners of this world are beginning to glow and shine 
with the light of the love of this promised one who has come and who has said, surely, surely I am coming again. I read a quote this week, and I'll end with this, from a man named Henry Now, and one of you in this room posted this on your social media. So social media can do good things, right? Henry Now, and somebody I love, he says, the great spiritual task facing me is to so fully trust that I belong to God that I can be free in the world. I can be light in the world, we might say. Free to speak even when my words are not received. Free to act even when my actions are criticized and ridiculed or considered useless. Free also to receive love from people and to be grateful for all the signs of God's presence in the world, his light in the world. I am convinced that I will truly be able to love the world when I fully believe that I am loved far beyond its boundaries. Friends, what this night proclaims to you as the Savior of the world takes on flesh, humbles himself, becomes obedient, even obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, proclaims to you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, what he offers you tonight is full forgiveness. He offers you his righteousness. He offers you to sit at his table for all eternity. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We, we could only possible, possibly ever dare to love him because he first dared to love us and enter into the darkness of this world. Father, we pray that as we are filled with his love, that you might make us light, that even as those small flames descended upon your people at Pentecost, that we too might go into this world not afraid of the darkness, but we might enter into it, knowing that we belong to Jesus, knowing that we have good news, great joy to share with the world, that there is grace, that there is forgiveness offered to all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.